Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Genius, the podcast that puts your personal development on steroids. Each episode is designed to give you a step-by-step blueprint for mastering your habits, growing your skills, and building the courage for taking massive action in your life and making an impact through your work. Warning, this show is for peak performers only. And now, let's dive in with your host, Ben Austin. All right. Our next guest is the founder of SideHustleNation.com and is the host of a fantastic podcast by the same name. He shares stories about entrepreneurs who are running side hustles and are making money doing it. His podcast was nominated for Best Business Podcast at the annual New Media Expo Podcast Award Show. His work stands out in the noise of various entrepreneur advice and business shows because he actually backs up his claims with case studies and hard numbers, which is something my physicist engineer brain really loves. Nick Loper, welcome to the show. Thanks uh, so much for having me, Ben. (laughs) It's awesome to have you on. I'm really excited to talk to you today because the theme of our discussion is how do you get good enough to get paid with your side hustle? Because I think a lot of people have misconceptions about you know, being able to get paid right away. They think if they jump right into entrepreneurship, it's going to work out right away. But there's usually a pretty steep learning curve that I think we all have to go through. And uh, that's why I'm glad I have you on the show, because now you get to answer the questions that so many people ask me and I have no idea how to answer. (laughs) (laughs) I probably don't either, but I'll see what I can do. Awesome. Okay. Well, first of all, what would be the most common reason that someone would want to start a side hustle? And uh, what's been the biggest takeaway or reward for you in building Side Hustle Nation? Well, the biggest thing for most people is obviously financial reasons. Like I need to earn some extra income to pay down debt to hopefully, you know, maybe one day escape my corporate dreary or whatever it is. But I also see people like just having that drive to use their free time more productively, like instead of, uh, you know, if I get home at five o'clock and I don't go to bed till 11, like I got six hours. What am I going to do with that time? Uh, You know, sit there and watch TV or I could try and, you know, build an asset. And I see other people using that time to, you know, maybe exercise a side of your brain that isn't getting exercised at work. Now, biggest reward for me, hands down, has been like the friends and connections that have come as a result of running the podcast and starting a more public business venture versus like in the past a very, I mean, I had my own personal blog, but no one ever read it. (laughs) But like, you know, you just kind of heads down doing my own thing. Yeah. this, I don't know if you know uh, Nathan Barry. I don't know him personally, but I think he was kind of credited with the quote like, there are those who do, and then there are those who do and teach. And those <laughs> who do and teach have a completely new kind of revenue stream and, and connections and network that, that opens up to them. So that's been really, really uh, exciting for me. But also, I mean, it's like the warm, fuzzy feeling of like helping people in my small yeah. corner of the internet, yeah. like making positive steps toward their financial freedom. Like it's, it's a cool thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you get people that are reaching out to you and saying, you know, oh my God, your you know your show helped me so much, or your blog helped me so much? How often does that happen for you? Uh, a few times a week. So I created a tag in Gmail called testimonials. So I'm I'm stockpiling those up. Nice. I like that a lot. That's something that I need to do. And you're right. When you do get those emails, you know, the people reaching out to you, or they you know give you a call, or they hit you up on social media, it feels really good. You know, lots of the work that I think both you and I do, we don't necessarily see immediate rewards for it. It's like we might see some financial gain for it, but you're not always getting the immediate feedback of, oh my God, this changed my life. So when you do get that, it's really nice and it makes you feel amazing. 
Yes. And, and Dan Andrews calls it the silent majority. Like the majority of people who read your stuff, listen to your stuff, you'll never hear from them and you don't know who they are or where they are. So it's that 1% that do reach out to you that, that seems to make it all worthwhile. Yeah. And you can have a lot of really cool conversations with those people. And uh, one thing I've found is they'll start opening up to me and telling me their stories and their struggles. And now I have a new lane to connect my content to for them. Like now I'm tailoring my content based on their specific need and I can write for them or create a podcast specifically for that person. And I know that if one person has that problem, there's probably a majority of other people who are also suffering with the same thing. Absolutely. Awesome. So could you tell us the story behind why you started Side Hustle Nation? My original side hustle was this footwear comparison shopping site. Mm. Um, and in its most recent iteration, it was called shoesniper.com. I don't run it anymore, but I ran it for almost 10 years. On three years of nights and weekends of building this on the side from corporate America, I give my notice. I turn in the keys to my company car. On day one of retirement, the Google gods come and strike me down. And they really? say, Nick, your, your account no longer meets our advertising quality criteria. and you know, you, you're going through like the seven stages of, you know, whatever, you know, there's anger and then there's denial <laughs> and all this stuff. You know, like you didn't have a problem with this for the two years prior to this. It was perfectly fine. You thousands of happy customers. Like, who are you to judge? And just it was really, really a stressful situation. But one of the common themes of Side Hustle Nation today is like if you're relying on one source of income, whether and for most people, that's your day job. That's an inherently risky position to be in. You never know right. when when that's going to go away. But in my first day of self-employment, I was in the exact same position. I was relying on one source of income, the shoe business, and overwhelmingly relying on one source of traffic, which was Google. And hey, playing in somebody's sandbox, like that's a great way to accelerate your traction, but it's like they can also change the rules at any time. So it was a few stressful months of trying to get back into their good graces. And, you know, they, they eventually sent me an email and they said, oh, it looks like we made a mistake. You're good to go. And I was like, are you kidding me? Two months from this, right? Gosh, it was like I used to have hair. We're not on video. It was a very <laughs> stressful, uh, very stressful summer for me. But then, you know, fast forward a few years and that, that business was anything but the, you know, margaritas on the beach lifestyle that I probably naively envisioned when I <laughs> I think when we I all have my that job. same dream, yeah. I know it's just it didn't end up working out that way. So it's like that pain and that stress kind of uh, hammered home the importance of diversification. And so even if the people reading my stuff, listening to my stuff, like never end up quitting their job, but if they generate a side income stream of even if it's like five hundred bucks a month, like yeah. to me that little bit of diversification is really really powerful. And it was just you know trying to spread the gospel of this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship like you don't have to jump off the cliff you don't have to go raise venture capital like you can do something with the tools and technology today on the side and maybe someday that will replace your income and maybe it won't but it's like that's kind of the the brand of entrepreneurship that i wanted to spread that's awesome and i think even more than the income when you're doing the work that's required to build an additional income stream you're actually building new skills and the new skills that you're building, you can also leverage into new income streams as well. Like I know for me, like I was pretty much exclusively a physicist engineer type and I had to teach myself marketing and copy and sales and business development and all these other things that I had no idea how to do, but it wasn't until I started my side hustle that I started developing those skills. And what was interesting about that is they actually made me better in my engineering job that I had, like my writing might improve, my communication improved uh, because I was setting goals and achieving them outside of work. It made me a better leader inside of work as well. That's great. That's 
kind of how I look at it. I mean, not only just the income building, but you build the skills as well. And then you can leverage those into other things as well. Absolutely. It's kind of funny to think about like, you know, all of the stuff that I do today or even the last 10 years, like, yeah, I studied marketing in school, but like, am I using anything that I learned, <laughs> you know, from that textbook, you know, on a day-to-day basis? Like, no, it's all changed. Like all the tools and stuff change. The principles are still there, but it's just kind of, you learn as you go. Yeah, no, I uh, more or less experienced the exact same, but in the realm of physics and engineering. So that's weird that you've, I always had this vision that people who started marketing in college or high school had some sort of leg up when they started their online business, but apparently that's not the case. And, and everybody in the B school is like, oh, we need the technical person. We need, the, we, we need an engineer on our team. <laughs> and sure enough, he doesn't know what he's doing either. So <laughs> it's funny how that works out. All right. So Nick, most people who are listening to this are in the early stages of starting their side hustle, or they're thinking about starting their side hustle, they're dreaming about it, or they haven't actually started it yet. Uh, what do you see as like the most common success barriers for people who want to start a side hustle, or why can't they start it? The three barriers that I hear most often are time, money, and ideas, right? Mm. Like, I don't have... I don't have the end of hours in the day or the week to get this done. I don't have, uh, you know, the money I need to get this thing off the ground. Or, hey, I could be the world's greatest entrepreneur if I only had, you know, the, the perfect business idea. And I don't know, do you, do you want to address each of, each of those? In- and well, I think the time thing, I have to call bullshit on it because, like, we all have time. It's just a matter of priorities, right? You know, everybody has time to exercise if they want to. Everybody has time to build a side business if they want to. They're just making the choice to spend their time differently, right? Yeah, every time, because I used to be the person who said, I didn't have time or I I, I don't have time to do that. And I've tried to shift my language to be like, I didn't prioritize that. Exactly, uh, yeah. I didn't choose to prioritize that, which is a little bit harder to say, but more truthful. Yeah, for a small percentage of people, the ones that say that they don't have time, Usually the ones that I think that do actually have the most time, it's just like they have these uh, scotomas or blind spots where they can't actually see that, oh, if they, you know, didn't spend all their time on Instagram or Facebook or mindlessly surfing the internet, they might find some time to do something else. It's just like we create those blind spots for ourselves. And prioritize something else is maybe another way to phrase it. Awesome. Yeah. So how do you prioritize your work and your business? Like, how does that work for you? I try and make a habit of just pen and paper, like itemizing out my top three micro priorities for the next day. And Mm. sometimes those are, you know, moving towards bigger goals. And sometimes they're just things that need to get done. So like one of my themes for the quarter is uh, like content repurposing, trying to get more mileage out of the assets, out of the uh, content that's already created. And so that looks like, uh, you know, maybe consolidating some existing posts or converting some things into videos or slide share decks or, you know, so I've got a handful of Kindle books that never got around to creating the paperback version of those. Yeah. So I'm trying to like fill in these gaps in the content portfolio and, you know, hopefully drive, you know, more eyeballs and traffic and, and stuff through all of that. And so, you know, some of the priorities for this quarter have been, let's format this book for CreateSpace and, and upload that, something like that. Yeah, no, that, that's really smart. I like how you did it too, where you just have like a few basic priorities too that you try to focus on. Because I think more often than not, like when you create the big to-do list and you've got 45 things on there, your mind will kind of naturally go to the ones that are easiest for you to do. And then you'll have a, a tendency to shift into doing those things as opposed to doing the one that's most important or has the highest priority. So the system that I use is I have like my list of 45 things that I have, but if I put an A next to it, it means I have to drop everything and do that until it's done. 
Okay. And I can't do anything else until that A priority is done. Now, if there's a B priority, it means I can do it after the A and then C and D and D usually means just get rid of it because it's not important to do it all. But I find just, you know, eliminating part of my to-do list and then focusing on the most important ones. You'll find that a lot of those things that you think you have to do, you don't really have to do. They're not that important. Yeah, that's that's actually a really important thing to bring up. I, I don't use letters. I just use numbers. Say one, two, three. So I know like in what order I'm going to work on this stuff when I get up in the morning. And then, yeah, something sits on your to-do list for weeks or months. Like, hey, by definition, it really wasn't that important. And maybe <laughs> you should just cross it off because it's causing you like that mental stress of just keeping it on there and seeing it every day. Exactly. No, that's really important. I'm interested in the skills, the habits, and the routines that you needed to develop in order to build Side Hustle Nation. And uh, what was that process that you went through in order to build all those skills? Slow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it is writing, a lot of it is communication. So it started out as, oh, I'm going to, you know, build this blog presence aside of podcast. And it's kind of flipped on its head a little bit. The podcast has grown probably two or three times faster than the written side of the site, the blog mm -hmm. side of the site. And I think part of that is like, that's a smaller, smaller ocean to swim in. Like there's, you know, imagine shouting into the wind in Google versus shouting into the wind in iTunes where there's like, you know, some, it's its own search engine. And, yeah. and I think John Lee Dumas told me this one time or in a speech one time, it's like, look, if you Google entrepreneur, like I'm on page 17. <laughs> if, you, I, if you search entrepreneur in iTunes, like I'm number two. Right. And so it's like a different avenue for discovery. And so that's been really good. The skills is just, you know, learning it, learning as I go. So I had, like I said, had written that personal blog for four years uh, prior to that. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of a background in writing for the internet and learning WordPress. And I was in the habit of creating content and, and a lot of it was not very good and a lot of it was not very <laughs> relevant to uh, some of the entrepreneurial marketing stuff, but it didn't really matter because it kind of, that translated over. Right. You got in the habits of putting things out and then you're able to use that consistent habit of creating content to like leverage it into the next thing that you wanted to do, which I think is really yeah. cool. I was really stressed, like at the beginning, the early days of the podcast, like I just committed myself to this weekly thing. And I didn't even like when I was trying to figure out how to do start a podcast, right? Yeah. Oh, you got to buy media hosting and it's, it's 15 bucks a month. Had it been 20 or 25, like the show might never start. <laughs> so I was like, am I committing myself to like a lifetime yeah. payment of, you know, am I going to pay these guys for forever as long as I want this thing to yeah. live on? And you know, it, that was, that was a low enough price tier. I was like, okay, 15 bucks and a $50 mic on Amazon. Let's see what happens. Right. I think that that's awesome. And what I love about that is you just kind of took the, let's see what happens attitude. I think a lot of people overthink it and they try their, their thought process is either it's going to be perfect or it's going to be nothing. And more often than that, we choose nothing because perfection is a lot harder than nothing, right? Absolutely. So, uh, let's talk about uh, your personal productivity habits and how you actually put out all this uh, content. Because I don't think people realize, like, you're doing the podcast, you've got the blog, and then, if I'm not mistaken, you have other side ventures as well. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of different stuff kind of all funneling up under that side hustle umbrella these days. Productivity habit-wise, I'm not, like, big into you know, any of the different apps or Evernotes or anything like that, but just pen and paper, you know, writing down those priorities when I'm like in a really crunch time or trying to get stuff done. Um, one that I really like is just tracking your hours, tracking your time. Yeah. Um, and I've just used Excel for this. I know I tried a tool called um, Toggle, T-O-G-G -G or T-O-G-G-L. Yeah. 
which is a kind of is a glorified stopwatch, right? You you say what you're working on and you hit the button and you know it tells you and gives you these reports <laughs> and stuff. We can do the same thing in Excel. And you know, even if you're reporting to no one but yourself, like having knowing that you're on the clock, it kind of gamifies it in a way. And you're like, I'm I said I was working on, you know, this post, or I said I was working on this client's job, and you know, now I'm gonna get that done. And you, you can kind of work backwards that way and see where you're spending your time. And then you can now identify kind of like delegation, outsourcing opportunities. So lots of fun stuff there. The other thing that I think has been helpful for me is the treadmill desk. So I start every yeah. morning on the walking desk and try and get in, you know, two, three, four miles before breakfast and just kind of get the blood flowing. And it's harder to stop working when you have to stop walking. And so you're just kind of like building, building up some like momentum towards your day. Yeah, I love that. You're actually convincing me to invest in a stand-up walking station because I'm somebody who's rather tall and my back hurts all the time from sitting down. So I might actually be comfortable like typing away at a computer if I had that. It is very slow. Like it's, you know, one and a half miles an hour, two miles an hour. Nothing like you're not going to break a sweat. Right. You're not like running a marathon there. And I guess you could, you could walk a marathon, but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think my personal best was like 12 or 13 miles in a day. That's still pretty good, though. It's about 12 or 13 miles better than uh, I think the average American gets. So that's good. It was yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. So you've already touched on this a little bit, but what does your daily routine look like in terms of you being able to do all this stuff? The daily routine has been thrown for a loop lately. We have a, an eight week old in the house. So congratulations. <laughs> you know, congratulations is like a weird thing to say. It's like, is it? what's hey, the right, what's the right thing to say? I don't know what the right thing to say is. <laughs> I'm I sorry. That's what people default to. Cause it's like, and you're like, Oh, great. You're not sleeping. Congratulations. Yeah. You look really it's, tired. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. It's so that's our latest adventure. And so there hasn't been much of a, of a daily routine there, but prior to that, you know, treadmill time in the morning, you know, I generally not schedule my first meeting before 10 o'clock. And then, you know, so 10 to noon would be meetings and sometimes go to the gym or, you know, run errands during the middle of the day and then have another block of working time in the later afternoon. So like podcast interviews or recordings or coaching sessions or something like that. Awesome. Yeah. Do you find that you're more productive in the morning than you are in the evening or in the middle of the day? I'm definitely more motivated in the morning or more like I'm up, like, let's get something done. So I tried like the Headspace app, like a meditation app, like yeah. first thing in the morning, like get up, take the dog out and then go sit and do this meditation. And what I found was like, you know, I found myself falling asleep because it's very relaxing. And then the other part of it was like, well, this is dumb. Like I, ch- I should be getting <laughs> something done right now. Like this isn't doing anything for me. So some days would shift that towards like bedtime. Like I, I can do the same thing lying in bed and it puts me to sleep yeah. or, or just skip it entirely. Yeah, I just find that I have to do my meditation first thing in the morning. Otherwise, like my brain is just completely chaotic and I can barely focus. I like revert back to a caveman for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's pretty embarrassing, actually. But uh, I do this thing called like tracking my success habits where like I have like 25 different things that I'm trying to do every single day because these are the things that I believe are going to help me get to my the end goals that I have, like, you know, towards becoming the best version of me. And I've realized that if I don't do the meditation first thing in the morning, the rest of my day is almost guaranteed to be shit. <laughs> like, are you it, like a miracle morning person? Uh, you know, I haven't read the book. Actually, I don't even know what a miracle morning is, so I, I shouldn't. I well, shouldn't meditation is part of it. And then it was like exercise and writing and I don't know what the other ones were. Okay. No, I just do the meditation and then I do my gratitude journal. And it is very, very noticeable when I don't do those two things, how much less productive and chaotic my brain is for the rest of the day. It's like, I can't focus. So for me, 
like, that's the most important thing for me to do first thing in the morning. So I'm going to do it. Okay, cool. Awesome. So let's get into uh, what I think is going to be the meat and potatoes of our discussion. And that's really how do we get good enough to get paid with our side hustle? Because like I said earlier, everybody's got these misconceptions about entrepreneurship. And I, I think maybe we should start with like, what's a realistic timeline from for someone when they're starting their side hustle to like when they can actually get paid? Well, you can make, um, I mean, you can make money today. Like, you know, some of the stuff we talk about is very low hanging fruit, you know, sharing economy stuff, go drive for Uber, go, you know, put your place up on Airbnb, go sell something in your garage on Craigslist. And so you can turn, you know, hours or stuff into cash right away. Or even I had a guy who was like, he called himself the flea market flipper. So every <laughs> weekend he'd go to the, uh, the flea market in Orlando and look for weird Stuff. That's what he said. I look for the odd items. So he talked about mm. finding like a, a prosthetic leg that he, <laughs> you know, flipped on eBay and made like $900 or something ridiculous. Wow. Um, so there are definitely like some quick start ways. And those are probably a little bit more difficult to scale where if you're going to start something that is uh, maybe more time leveraged or the elusive, you know, passive income thing. You could spend a lot of time invested before you ever make, you know, your first dollar of passive income. Right. It took me probably like, you know, one, maybe maybe one and a half, two years before I made a dollar doing anything. And that's because like I was trying to build up the blog and, you know, obviously my focus wasn't necessarily on making money. It was more on building the audience, even though I wasn't very good at that at the time. So like I had to become good enough at like the basic things that, you know, blogging and creating content is all about before people would actually take what I had to say seriously. And yeah. for me, that process was, you know, I hate to say it, but year and a half or so, it, it took a long time. Yeah, it's not an overnight thing. And with the with the shoe business, was able to drive some revenue fairly quickly by doing like direct advertising for these specific models. But when it came time to invest in like actually having the website built, you know, that took, you know, six or nine months to, you know, complete that entire project. And there was a lot of fear or, you know, hesitation during that time. So like, is this is this gonna work? Like you don't really know. And then once you can turn on the advertising to it before Google slaps you down, you can right. say, okay, now we can start uh, driving some traffic and see what happens. But I think it comes down to like, you know, how are you going to get good enough to get paid? It's really comes down to solving one problem for one person, like mm, you alluded to that. earlier. And, you know, whether you're going to do that uh, as a freelancer, like, okay, this company needs a website, I can solve that problem for that one company. Or if I'm going to try and do that, at scale and it's like in that website example okay maybe i can build a template that you know any restaurant or real estate agent could use or something like that yeah so how do people find these specific problems that they could actually solve for someone else because i'm i'm trying to think about the person listening here if they don't have anything going right now they're they're looking around and they're saying i don't see anything like i don't see where i can add value anywhere how does someone go through the process of figuring out like what problems they can solve a couple different things. So this is from Dan Norris from WP Curve. And it on, also on that web development example, is like, hey, you know, people are spending money to solve these WordPress problems. Web developers have been around for 20 years. So in that way, my idea is already validated. Like I don't need to, you know, completely come up with a brand new invention. Yeah. I can just come up with a unique way to sell it. And he, and he has in saying, okay, we're going to do unlimited WordPress fixes. So he's kind of niching down in this web development space and kind of coming up with a unique way to sell it. And so you can look at any existing business and say, okay, how can I put my own unique spin on that? And the other thing that I kind of like to tell people is like looking for sweet spots between your interests and 
you know, maybe your network or your connections and your kind of library of skills. So, uh, for example, I've done like freelance nonfiction book editing. It's like, hey, wow. I'm, I'm a business book buff. Like I like to read this stuff. I like have written a handful of Kindle books myself and I was an A English student. So I <laughs> will be your grammar Nazi, right? Right. And, you know, started out as just like, you know, uh, will people pay me to do this? And sure enough, there was some demand for that. And then you can branch out and end up partnering with some people who were teaching self-publishing as like, you know, can I be on your Rolodex of editors? And they're like, sure. And so that kind of has grown a little bit from there. And now I've had to say no to most of those that come across my desk just because I've been prioritizing other yeah. projects. You've been doing your one tasks first and you've been ignoring everything else. So yes, yes, yes. That's interesting. So is it is it as simple as just saying, okay, I have these skills and then doing a Google search for seeing who needs those skills? Is that kind of like what what you're describing here? So you can stick your flag in the sand on social media, which is a little bit more difficult for side hustlers because it's like, well, what if my employer sees it? So you can kind of be careful about that. But just saying, hey, you know, I help people with blank. You know, if you can fill in that sentence, like one of, you know, I always want, I'm always bugging my brother to start this business. Like he's like a professional tutor, but he has a ton of like uh, restaurant experience and hosting experience. Yeah. And he's got like this degree in psychology. And it's always like, you know, if you could marry those two and be like, look, I can show restaurant staff how to increase your average ticket by 10%. That's going to improve your, you know, profitability. It's going to improve, you know, your waiters are going to be making more money. Like that seems like an interesting business to me, kind of like at the sweet spot of some of his different areas of expertise. Yeah. So when he's I just going to struggle with marketing himself. Like that's the next step for him. Like how does he put himself in the position to actually, you know, do that type of work? Right, right, right. So he's going to find, you know, how do you, and what would be a compelling pitch to a restaurant owner? Are you at capacity or are you, could you use, what would happen? What would it mean to the bottom line if you could increase 10%? Like I have these proven psychology hacks mm. that make customers, you know, love their server and want to spend more money. Yeah. I mean, he could buy Google AdWords for people that are searching for those keywords and offer his services to them within his area. See, we're just yeah. coming up with all sorts of great ideas. Or, right or look at, or look at Yelp for like restaurants with crappy ratings and be like, look, mm. this is costing you money. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a great idea. So, I mean, really what you're talking about is just kind of thinking outside of the box. Because I know with a lot of people, when we think about making money, we think about our job. And it has to be our job. Otherwise, like we can't make any more money than we're currently making right now. And in reality, there's opportunities everywhere. It's just we're not seeing them. I love to share the example of my wife. She's an engineer by day and her business with her partner is a photography business. And so like this is an, an example of somebody using their like artistic or my day job doesn't let me exercise my artistic skills but this one does and so it started as a hobby i started you know doing work for very cheap you know friends and family yeah. and then kind of an ad on craigslist like hey you know and just kind of went from there it's like who's looking for photographers on craigslist nobody and then of course they're like flooded with inquiries i was like all right my bad <laughs> that's awesome i like she's also balancing the, like the two sides of her brain right yeah so you she's know like, what do you know about marketing <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome wow this is another thing that I've seen, like they'll start a side hustle, they'll start a side business, and then they make a little bit of progress initially, but they never get it to that next level where they could turn it into a full-time thing. What do you think are like the most common reasons why somebody is not taking their side hustle and growing it besides the obvious reasons of it's not scalable, like they're an Uber driver or something? Yeah. If you've got something that potentially is scalable, if you're selling results versus selling your time, 
you probably the probably the problem is like you know there's too much you in the business like it's a very personally branded thing which could be yeah. a, a barrier or you just don't have enough margin built into it so if you can one of the most common paths that i see is like the freelance path so i'm working full-time doing some freelance gigs on the side okay now i'm going to take the leap and become a full-time freelancer this go business is going pretty well the next stage would be like okay uh, I can now build kind of my own mini agency if I've got enough margin built in where I can hire people beneath me to deliver some of this client work yeah. and focus just on sales. And then, you know, the next step up that ladder would be, uh, you know, productizing or, you know, building some sort of software to serve. Hey, we've done a ton of work for attorneys over the past two years, and we found out that there are these common needs and so we end up building this software product for them whatever it may be each step of the way you're kind of removing more and more of your time from the equation yeah i mean that's constantly what i'm trying to do specifically in the in the blog and the podcast that i have if i can you know one automate the number of people that are coming to it and then two monetize them like i can start removing me and actually it is kind of nice for now because i do have some passive income like nice you know i've achieved the dream that everybody says they want you know it's not yes <laughs> but you know yeah, we're recording this from your hammock on the beach exactly I, yeah i'm staring out at the beaches of grenada right now not, <laughs> not like that but you know the, the point i would make there is like i worked you know a year and a half working my ass off getting none of that right or two years or whatever it was like it took a long time for me to develop the skills where i could actually get some of that passive income and it didn't happen overnight. And I think that's where side hustlers in particular are kind of in a unique position or, or a, a good spot because it's like, hey, I don't necessarily need to ring the cash register right away. I've got somebody else, my employer, kind of bankrolling this adventure. He's like my silent venture capitalist. Right, yeah, that's a great way of thinking about it. I got one more question here for you because you've interviewed a lot of different people on your show. I think I counted 164 different episodes. Uh, what have you learned from interviewing all of these different people? Some of them very successful and some of them have launched some pretty cool businesses. So a couple common themes. So the one was the side hustle path. We, we talked about the freelance kind of ladder that people climb. One of the other common themes of the show is tapping into some pre-existing marketplaces. And we hinted toward that when we gave like the iTunes versus Google example. Like it's a smaller pond to play in, but this comes up over and over again. Like if I'm going to launch an e-commerce business, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to launch that on my own website. I'm going to launch that on Amazon or eBay. Yeah. If I'm going to launch my own freelancing business, I'm going to launch that on my own website. Well, maybe I am in addition to, but like I'm going to go to Upwork or Fiverr or some of these places where there's already an audience of buyers. And, you know, I see the same thing with Kindle publishing, with, um, you know, online courses on Udemy. And there's just dozens and dozens of these marketplaces, you know, instead of sticking a, a, a sign in your front yard that says, oh, you know, basement apartment for rent, you know, you can stick it up on Airbnb and all of a sudden thousands of people are, you know, are looking in your, in your neighborhood every week. Right. They've handled all the marketing and all the potential people who would, you know, do it. It doesn't make any sense if you're renting out an air mattress in your, your living room to just create a website and post it right there because there's already infrastructures in place that will help you facilitate that. And then maybe if you grow into like the air mattress king of the West or something like that, then you can launch your own website and take a higher margin from that. But initially when you're starting out, you know. Yeah, it's like use these platforms to leapfrog your thing, to accelerate your thing, to accelerate that growth, because hey, that's what they're there for. Somebody else has already spent the time and energy to build this two-sided marketplace, which if, if that's your side hustle, don't do it. Like that's a really hard Thing to get a critical mass of both buyers and sellers. And so if there's already a platform that exists, so you can stick your buy button on, like, let's go for it. Awesome. I love it. 
I'd like to wrap up here with a few rapid fire questions before I let you go. You ready for that? Let's do it. It's just a way to pack in the most value in the shortest amount of time. All right. So first of all, what is the number one habit you contribute most to your success? The skill of learning new skills. I love that. I am going to steal that and say that if anybody ever asked me that again. <laughs> all right. What's the number one book that you recommended to others and why? I really like The Go-Giver because it kind of solidified a mindset shift in leading with value and then being open and being prepared to cash in on that value when the time comes. Awesome. I haven't read that one yet, so that's something I'll have to check out. What's your favorite online tool or app? LastPass. It's a password management software. That sounds like something I probably need as I continuously lose all my passwords. I, uh, what other podcasts do you turn into, tune into regularly? The two that you know I still listen to uh, almost on a weekly basis and, uh, and the ones that got me started in the whole podcast realm were Tropical MBA and the uh, Smart Passive Income podcast. Awesome. And uh, before you take off, can you let us know where is the best place to connect with you? Hit up uh, sidehustlenation.com slash ideas, and you'll have a laundry list of uh, part-time business ideas you can start with. And of course, we'd love to have you tuning in to the Side Hustle Show as well. You can find it on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are sold. Awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to you. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right. Once again, that was Nick Loper of Side Hustle Nation. It was a ton of fun having him on the show. So once again, Nick, thank you for coming on. Pleasure talking to you as always. And if you are interested in starting your own side hustle, I would really encourage you to go to SideHustleNation.com. Check out all of the content and all of the resources that Nick has there because his free content is actually better than most people's paid content. So if you are interested in starting your own side hustle, that is the absolute first place you should go. And as always, if you guys enjoyed the episode, go to StopStartDo.com forward slash podcast to check out the show notes for this episode and every other episode that I've put out. Once again, if you enjoyed the show, stopstartdo.com forward slash podcast. Check out this episode and many more. That's all I have for you guys today. Peace out. Talk to you next time. And as always, remember to unleash your inner genius.